Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to winter. (laughs) I mean, I have been holding my fingers crossed, but uh, it finally it finally gave out. Uh, The the anti snow dance finally failed to work. And here we are. Uh, boy, it was saving up too. Uh, something like six inches in the uh, six inches of snow down in Anchorage. We got probably three or four here where I'm at in the valley, and we're ready to. It's we're ready to go. It's uh, it's brutal, baby. But uh, here we are, ready to dive into it uh, on this Monday, uh, the sixth of November. And I think we did pretty good. I mean, we, you know, we dodged a few bullets all the way through until we finally got to our first major snowfall here in the South Central area. I know you folks in Fairbanks are like, suck it. But, you know, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> you know, that's one of the, that was supposed to be one of the benefits, was supposed to be one of the bennies of uh, living further south is that we didn't have to deal with that quite as, uh, quite as much as, uh, expected uh, as we go through. Uh, all right, this morning on the program, what do we got going on? Well, we've got a few stories we're going to cover here this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on, including that snowfall. And uh, we're also going to um, talk a little bit about pre-election. Tomorrow is election day down here in the Matsu Valley. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about pre-election stuff as well. And then in hour two, we're going to be talking with uh, State Senator uh, Rob Myers for a little bit of Myers Monday. His video series is continuing. We've got the latest in, what is this? Is this the fourth video, fifth video uh, that Rob has been putting out there for a while? Um, and you can find those over at his Myers for Alaska Facebook page. Uh, if you want to uh, go watch that and take a look at it here before we get a chance to talk to him, his latest one came out, uh, on three, must be Friday, Friday, no, five days ago. Uh, it was posted, uh, November 1st, Wednesday, November 1st. Uh, so you can go over there and take a look at it. Um, it was uh, talking about exactly how bad the economy is. And I will tell you that the picture that he paints, well, it ain't so great. Uh, it's not, um, no, I mean, he, it's really not, it's really not grand. (laughs) Let me just put it that way. Um, it's really not, uh, that good. And so we're going to talk about that and, uh, we will, uh, we will discuss, uh, that with state Senator Rob Meyer here in hour two for our little, uh, our, our little, uh, jab at Myers Monday 
there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I have gone ahead and uh, put the phone lines in place. Uh, so if you want to call in this morning and talk about, you know, who you're voting for tomorrow and why and what your thoughts are on any of that, the first hour today going to be dedicated towards a little bit of cleanup, some of the stories, and of course, uh, the pre-election things that uh, we need to we need to go over. So, how was your weekend? How how did you do? Was it you know, was it uh, everything you hoped for and then some? <laughs> I slept a lot this weekend. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I slept a lot. And that uh, daylight savings time thing, perfect, man. That was that, just that extra hour that I need. I woke up and I thought, man, why do I, I should, I still want to, it's early. I should still go back to sleep. And then I realized I'd already gotten an extra hour. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, <clears throat> I guess better than losing an hour. So I'm I'm all I'm all okay with that. All okay. Um, but didn't do a whole lot uh, at all this weekend, other than uh, trying to organize some stuff and get some things done and catch up on a little sleep, which I have needed. The last few weekends have been uh, a little bit. Uh, bruh, it's wow. It's you know. Last last few weeks have been a little bit huckledy buck for me, so I'm ready to go. Um, Anthony in the in the chat room just said anti snow dance man. After you rubbing in no snow in Fairbanks's face for a month straight, we're doing the Barry Dukes and snow dance. Well, I mean we already got that last year. I mean the Barry that was the that was the three foot of snow in my cul de sac dance that we we dealt with last year where we were snowed in for. I mean, days. We were stuck here for a couple, three, four days at one point during last winter. So I mean, I think I think we I think we deserved a little bit of a break, uh, a little bit of a break, um, you know, for today. Uh, all right. Um, what was what was this Alaska's last daylight savings change? Says David. I I don't know. Did they? Are we stopping daylight savings time? I haven't heard anything about it. Um, maybe if somebody else can, maybe it's, I wasn't paying attention. It's very possible, but, uh, it's, it's here. They only got about a half an inch down on the, uh, uh, peninsula. Somebody said Kenai got less than <clears throat> Kenai got less than a half an inch, which I'm assuming meaning, I'm assuming that means that they won't have, uh, it might probably won't stick, which again is just more argument for why I should be moving further South. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, you know, uh, you know, I love Alaska, but I'm just, the, the, the more I see snow, the more I start to dislike it. I don't know why. It's just like, at some point I'm like, I'm just, no, I just, no, it is what it is. All right. Let's uh, take a look at, uh, some of the stories and headlines that are going around here. Um, I, you know, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Uh, I don't think that we can, uh, I mean, I don't think I can make any more of an argument uh, from that other than what we're seeing in the news. We talked about it last week. There was a man in Kenai who was charged uh, after submitting an online message to Senator Murkowski's office uh, saying, I mean, this is where he was going to do like the whole Buffalo Bill thing and wear her skin as a jacket or something. I mean, it was just creepy, creepy stuff. And, um, so he, he's 
he faced his first um he faced his first uh court appearance um and uh, that was during Friday's hearing um and he just basically said yes or no and and uh and and who knows what's going to happen there um but we've got another another winner this is a true winner another true winner this time uh in uh, in Anchorage Police uh, have taken into custody a, a man who they then charged with with terroristic threatening following online social media posts that threatened gun violence against uh, a downtown establishment. Uh, in response to an information request, uh, APD said that 22-year-old 22, uh, 22 Alexander Lynch was taken into custody at the Anchorage jail and charged with second-degree terroristic threatening made in connection to an event scheduled at the Willowa Social Club, which is a kind of a nightclub slash concert venue in downtown Anchorage. Charging documents from the Department of Law showed that Lynch authored a post on Wednesday on Instagram that read, in part, I'm going to shoot up the spot, referring to the club. Two other witnesses called police to report the concerning comment and said that they knew Lynch. Uh, officers were then able to find him by pinging his ankle monitor, which he was wearing for a previous DUI felony. You cannot write this stuff, man. Upon meeting him at his work, he said he knew why they were there, proceeded to tell investigators that he'd been drinking with friends on Wednesday night and was upset about seeing an advertisement for the event at Willowa. He told police he did not actually plan to shoot the place up and did not have access to guns. He said he deleted the original post. When you're on a DUI monitor, I think one of the things that they say is that you cannot have alcohol. But he was drinking, drinking on Wednesday night and got upset about seeing an ad for whatever event is taking place over at Willowa. I mean, I mean, you just you you cannot make up this thing and of course with the recent shooting in maine that happened at you know public places and the bar and of course everybody's on edge about this kind of stuff but i mean this is a mad world this is a mad mad world and uh so this guy he's going to the house of many doors for uh a while the old crowbar hotel well, just make yourself at home, buddy. That's what's uh, that's what's happening. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be hanging out there for a while. Just you and the other guy who wanted to wear the senator as a cloak. You, the two of you, you might have adjoining cells at this point. I just I can't I can't imagine uh, that that's gonna be good for you. What else is uh, happening? Of course, we did get that first major snowfall. Over six inches fell in Anchorage by 4 p.m. yesterday. That broke the single-day snow record for that date, Sunday, uh, the November the 5th, previously set at 3.8 inches. So they got almost double what they normally get. And, of course, everybody forgot how to drive. Uh, 11 injury crashes, 29 non-injury crashes, 27 calls for distress. (laughs) And that was just the Anchorage Police Department's response from the Kinnick River Bridge to the Seward Highway, uh, to Mile 73 of the Seward Highway. 
Um, and they're forgetting now they're out in force trying to plow the roads and everything else. And they're just reminding everybody that, you know, you may want to slow down. You may want to not follow so close. You may want to give yourself some, you know, extra minutes to get to your destination. They may want to, you know, do all the things and the stuff and the deals. You may want to do all that. So, I mean, I, I don't know why they, it's like they forgot, you know, in the intervening five months that uh, you can't uh, follow somebody at 70. I, yesterday or last week, rather, I was fo- I was watching somebody, some guy following somebody at 70 miles an hour because I was going 68 and they passed me like, well, they were probably going faster than that. Following somebody with like less than half a car length behind them. Like if the guy ahead of them sneezed, they'd be in each other's laps. So probably not a good idea to do that today where there is potentially, I mean, it's 28 degrees right now, right? So potentially icy, snow, all that kind of stuff. And of course, uh, they're, everybody's holding their breath and waiting to see what Mayor Bronson's uh, snow removal plan is going to be like because of last year's debacle, which was a, I will admit, was a hot, 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 hot mess for everybody who worked or lived in uh, Anchorage. It was, I mean, it was brutal. Last year was brutal on the snow removal. They just could not get to it fast enough. So we'll we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we return, we will be back and we'll have some open phone lines. We'll talk a little bit more about the election and we will, um, then be looking forward to talking to Senator Rob Meyer, Myers in hour two for Myers Monday. It's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thing and radio Michael Moore after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. How are you guys this morning? Y'all ready to go? Y'all, y'all ready? Teddy, all ready? What's going on? Yeah, not exactly a criminal. Rob says, Rob Myers, not exactly a criminal mastermind. (laughs) Yes, no, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, come on. It's like the guy who threatened Senator Murkowski's office. He did it from his home computer to her her website, you know, to the form on her website. What do you think's going to, you know? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, Rick says, well, it does look cleaner out, especially in Wasilla. <laughs> yeah, except for the except for the Bosco bombs that are out on the lawn. 
I've been shoveling those into the woods for the most part, but now it's like, where'd the last one go? I can't find it. I keep waiting for it to go off like a landmine. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, guess what we're doing today, says Greg. I imagine you're playing tiddlywinks with manhole covers today. Okay, maybe you're going to be out there. Maybe you're going to go out there and shovel some snow. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Um, uh, nothing warmer than a hot wood stove, a hot beverage, riding out a niacin flush, says Jeannie. You know, I didn't realize what a niacin flush was for quite a while. I was taking this niacin, and I did not realize... I mean, I would get this pins and needles like rush through my body. I was totally freaked out, thought something was actually wrong. My doctor had recommended that I take some niacin, uh, but I had been taking slow niacin. And for some reason, I ended up taking another one for a while. And it was like, woof! it was, <laughs> man, it was freaking me out. A niacin flush is a no joke situation. <laughs> I mean... A night when, I mean, it just, man, head to toe, head to toe. Um, What's a Bosco bomb? Well, it's brown and smelly. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you know, he does his business and then I pick it up with a shovel and throw it out in the woods so that nobody has to walk over it. Well, there was one out there that I didn't, I had my hands full and I was going to go back out and I went back out the next day and it was, I couldn't find it because it was covered with snow, but I guarantee it wasn't frozen solid yet. So I watched where I was walking. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you've never taken niacin. Um, excuse me. Of course I've taken niacin. I've taken slow niacin and regular niacin, slow release and regular. Um, uh, forecast is eight plus inches um, for Homer. <laughs> eight inches of snow in Homer. Uh, Gary, uh, uh, Greg is Greg is already. He's already already. He's he's putting rigs together all day, all night. He's going to go out and beg borrower steel vehicles at this point to push snow around eight inches. Oof. Oh, okay. Um, they need to do a PSA, says Brian, and produce a pamphlet. Maybe they should pass a law preventing you from following too close. Maybe they should pass a law saying you shouldn't follow so close. That's all we need. We just need one more law, Brian. One more law. That'll fix it. That will fix it. Um, it's uh, definitely, definitely. Sorry, that my sarcasm font is broken this morning. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the biggest thing. Yeah, if you've never taken niacin, it... Uh, it does. I can't remember why why I was taking it. Um, I've quit taking it since then. It's been a while, but it definitely. If you don't pay attention, it. <laughs> I love the flushes, Jeannie. You know you're alive. Yeah, I thought I was dying. I mean, I thought, man, this pins and needles things from my head to my toes through my fingers, all hot and flustered, and I'm like, is this what dying feels like? I'm not sure. It's, it's a little crazy. It makes me a little nervous, especially when I was doing, it happened live while I was on the air one day and I was like, um, hello. All right. Uh, here we go. We're jumping back on, uh, the Michael Duke show. Copy sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Do it. Like, share, follow. Here we go.
Let's get to it. Okay, welcome back to Michael Duke Show. The chat room is so random. Uh, the, the chat room is so random this morning. Was it Monty Python who did the one more thin? Yes, and it wasn't more one more thin biscuit. It was one more thin wafer. I could take it. One more thin and a bucket. Uh, anyway, that's Monty Python. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Monty Python. Um, all right. Welcome back to the, uh, program. Thank you for coming on board and, um, let's, uh, let's, let's take a crack at everything that's going on around here. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the direction that the chat room is taking this morning. Uh, we talked about everything from Bosco bombs to, uh, Nias and flushing. It was a busy five minutes while you guys were out there doing your thing. Let me go back over to, uh, talk about some of the other stuff that's uh, going on around the uh, state of Alaska right now. This is something that'll have some interesting ramifications in the state if, and I use a heavy, heavy if, if it goes through. James Brooks writes about it over at the Alaska Beacon. After seeking uh, an appeal seeking to defend Governor Dunleavy's proposed union dues collection plan will be considered by the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, no sooner than December. On Monday, attorneys representing the state's largest public employee union filed documents urging the high court to turn down the state's request that they re-examine an Alaska Supreme Court decision that rejected the plan. Back in 2019, the Dunleavy administration attempted to unilaterally change the rules for public employee membership, saying that the Janus decision from 2018 requires employees to opt into their union membership annually instead of opting out. It was not an automatic opt-in thing, which, I'll be honest with you, I think makes a lot of sense. Now, of course, none of the unions want that. All they want is for the second that you sign the dotted line that you're working for the gov is they want to government, not the governor, but the government is that they want to get that money. They want to get that immediate. You have to opt out. If you want out of the union, you've got to opt out. You're you're in, baby, whether you want to or you hold the pen, we'll move the paper. And with Janice, the the Supreme Court had said that that's, you know, that they shouldn't be forced um, unions opposed that interpretation and surprise, surprise, the Alaska Supreme court rejected the state's argument in May, concluding that the state's interpretation of Janice was incorrect. Uh, Dunleavy's administration appealed the state court decision to the Supreme court in August. Now they receive hundreds of appeal requests every year, but they only take up a relative handful of them. Uh, and before deciding whether to consider a case, the justices receive written arguments for and against. And that written process is almost complete. 
The state will have one final round of written arguments, uh, arguments before the case documents are presented to the high court, which will happen or is expected to happen, I guess I should say, in December. Politically conser- uh, conservative organizations, including the Buckeye Institute, uh, the National Right to Work League, the De- Legal Defense Foundation, the Goldwater Institute, uh, I mean, just a whole plethora have filed documents submitting support for the state's case. Uh, those organizations, plus the state of Kansas, which has also submitted documents in support of Alaska, are hoping that the court will reinterpret its 2018 case and effectively put new restrictions on public employee unions, which I think James is, I think his, I think his blue card is showing at that point, because I don't think they're looking for the interpretation as they're looking more for clarification. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that unions could not ad- ad- automatically collect so-called fair share fees from workers who benefited from union contracts but declined to formally join the union. I think what they're looking for is that the clarification on forced union membership, that you had to opt in early, you know, immediately. And then if you wanted out, you had to say you wanted out, but you had to know what you didn't know. Now, remember last week we were talking about all these people crying about the fact that they had had money taken out of their retirement because they had the these high-speed, you know, um, um, management uh, options where they could, you know, had somebody at their beck and call to help them manage their retirements. And for 17 years, many of these people didn't even bother to look to see that those fees were coming out. So could you imagine how they wouldn't even know that they were union members or didn't have to be? Because the union is it. Look, there's no benefit. The union has no, um, a, you know, <laughs> that you're in, baby. And then, but they said, well, wait, don't I not have, do I not have a choice? Oh, you, you have a choice, but we just don't have to tell you about it. So you're in and, um, if you want out, you can be out, but here's all the reasons why you shouldn't want to get out and then just put the, put the, put the, the, the arm block on them. You know what I mean? Just twist their arm behind their back as to why you shouldn't not join. And you're already a member. So why would you want to do all, I mean, can't you see it? Can't you see it? Conservative thinkers have argued that the decision uh, has implication for union members as well, but judges have generally dismissed those arguments. That was talking about the fair share fees. And the U.S. Supreme Court has repeatedly declined to take up the Janus case again. It has denied more than a dozen prior appeals from lower courts on the same issues. And attorneys representing the Alaska unions concluded this week that there have been no developments since those denials that would make the issue worthy of this court's review. (laughs) Nothing like a little flattery. Nothing is worthy of you, my great lord. We should not have you. You should not come down off your mountain and just trouble yourself with these little, these miserable peasants who would love to just sit down there, my lord. We will bring you your slippers and your pipe and you will be fine. Do not trouble yourself. I mean, you can see it already, right? I just love the. Sometimes the, it would not make it worthy of this court's review. <laughs> so, crack myself up. No, oh, did a voice and <clears throat> gave myself a coughing jag. All right. Um, so that is. Uh, we'll know more in December on that whether or not that's going to be. But I just again, the the I love the. Um, I love the the new uh, 
I, they were hoping the Supreme Court, here's the argument, they were hoping that the Supreme Court will reinterpret the 2018 case and effectively put new restrictions on public employee unions. Well, again, I think the idea that people should, in, in fairness, should opt, uh, should be able to opt in instead of opt out, instead of having automatically having an opt in. And we talked about this last week about the opt in thing. Uh, there was an actual big nationwide case. And I, I want to say it was AT&T. Maybe it was MCI. Or maybe it was AT&T. Again, there's a big case about where they automatically were opting in their customers. If you signed up for service, you were automatically opted into this thing that you had no idea about. And there were fees and other things and everything associated with it. And it became a big national deal. I remember that. Where they basically, the court said, you can't just automatically opt somebody in just because they want to use your service and you want to opt them in on this ancillary thing, which costs extra money, you just can't do that. And um, and that was it was the courts actually got involved and, and there was a major brouhaha about it. I'm trying, I'll have to go back and Google it now. But that was part of the deal was that they were automatically opting people in, just like the unions in the state of Alaska do. If you go to work for the government, they opt you into the union and it's your job to then extricate yourself from that. Well, you're brand new. You're doing all the things. It's your job to do that instead of just saying, oh, you want to join us? Come on and join. I mean, if they are that attractive, if the things that they do are that great, if the benefits outweigh the costs and all the other things, then they should be attractive enough that anybody who joins, uh, anybody who becomes a, a government employee should go, oh, my God, I've got to become a union member right now. Right. I mean, if the free market is the free market and everything else and it is that attractive, then they should be busting down the door to get in and, and join your club. But when you have to deceive them and inveigle them and sneak it in as part of their original, you know, as part of their first day on the job kind of thing and make it so you make it very difficult for anybody to opt out and not be part of your club. Well, that again. Must not be that great a deal then, is it? Must must not be that great. So anyway, we'll know we'll know in December uh, what happens with that and uh, where things go from there. All right. Five zero. If you would like to sound off this morning, I suppose I, I, mean, I turned the phone lines on and then forgot to tell you what the phone number was. Not that many of you don't know already, but we'd love to hear what you guys uh, have to say. Uh, you want to sound off of what's going on this final segment that we've got coming up here this morning. We're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what's going on in the Matsu. And, and what's happening there uh, with the election coming up tomorrow, starting at 7 a.m. Of course, the early voting is still going on today. If you want to be part of it, you can go over there and do that. It is important that we get out the vote. So if you're listening here in the South Central area and in the Matsu area, you may want to go get a friend and take them to the polls with you. Friend, coworker, neighbor, whatever. Let's get it done. Uh, because tomorrow is going to be an important day 
to see if we can hold on to the uh, the redness that is the Matsu. Uh, we'll talk about that here on the other side of this break. All right. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thing and radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hey, Bosco. You're blocking the light, buddy. You're blocking the light. Come on. Come on. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why. The light, is, it doesn't even put off any heat. It's like an LED light, but he just likes to sit right in front of it and uh, and do his thing, which is nothing, which is just to lay down in front of it and block all the light behind me. Isn't that right, buddy? Isn't that right, buddy? Yes, who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? Boys go to good dog. Okay. All right, down. Come on, get down. Oh, okay. Sorry. Puppy moment. It was a... Okay. <laughs> I thought he was going to walk in front of the light again. I'd be like, dude, dude, dude. All right, let me go back to the chat room to see what you guys are talking about. Uh, okay. Um, pay fealty to the king or you will be victimized by the media dogs. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. I broke open my canned smoked jalapeno. Whoa, what? My canned smoked jalapeno salmon yesterday. All I can say is decadent. Oh, man. Uh, we used to do salsa salmon, and that's where you can salmon with a scoop of your favorite salsa. And then when it came out, you mash it all up. It was, oh, God. Oh, man. That's all I could say. Just a, mm, delicious. Everybody wants to see Bosco. That dog is heavy, guys. You have no idea. Where are you again? Where'd you go? Oh, he's right behind my chair. He's right behind my chair. Um, anyway, uh, I can't pick him up right now because he's right behind my chair. Um, okay. (laughs) Was seeing the shadows on the wall. It was creepy until I remembered Bosco. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. Right. It's like, you know, you think it's the monsters on the wall and then you realize it's the dog. (laughs) It's the dog. (laughs) It is the dog. And he is, uh, he's pretty, he's, he's pretty amazing. I gotta be honest with you. He's pretty, pretty amazing pup. I am, I am super blessed, super blessed. 
Again, went to Fairbanks for one thing, came back with a dog. Was not expecting that. I would not have in a million years have expected that. Not a million. Hey, and I got my ice maker to work again in my fridge. <clears throat> because of water filters. <clears throat> water filters in a fridge. I mean, that's, you know, no hot topic for today. I'm talking about water filters and fridges and dog poo. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? This is not the show for you. Pay no attention to the show. This is not the show for you. He's three years old. He's three years old, uh, according to my friends who had him. They got him when he was about just about six months old, and it's been just about three years now. So he's three, three and a half years old. Um, yeah, water filters cost, I mean, who knew you're supposed to replace it every three to six months and it costs, it's 50 bucks for that water filter. And I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then the other day, the ice maker stopped working and I was like, oh, damn it, damn it. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, I knew exactly why it stopped making ice is because I've been ignoring the water filter light for like three months. So I finally went down there and got it. And I was like, okay, 50 bucks for a water filter. Oh. Um, Anthony says, so I got lost in the new quadruple double helix roundabout entrance in front of Fort Wainwright last night. I entered it. Whoop. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. I entered it and popped out somewhere randomly in Fairbanks like I entered the Bermuda Triangle. Is this an intended design? It was so funny because the day, the weekend that I was there, they shut down that entire intersection. You could not go on that side of town. And I was like, they apparently knew that if I went in there, I would get completely, totally lost. You know, that would be crazy. Uh, uh, just, just crazy. Oof, man. The lag is real. Um, ice tray says Jeannie, just saying, oh, come on. Come on. I have an ice maker for a reason, Jeannie. Brian says, yep, it's a maintainable item that I forget about. I buy a pair and then promptly misplace one. I mean, you don't want to. They're 50 bucks a piece. You don't be misplacing that thing. It's sol it's solid gold. <laughs> you you did solid freaking gold. Um. Yeah. Oof, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> you would check out Amazon for your water filter. We found ours for our refrigerators cheaper there, says Chris. Yeah. I mean, I suppose buying it on Amazon is cheaper, but then I would have to admit that I want my fridge to tell me what to do. And I just don't like that. You can't tell me what to do. Here we go. <laughs> the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. <laughs> My God, it must be a Monday. I mean, we are having the most random conversations in the chat room today. Um, talking about my high speed. I bought Terry a new refrigerator last 
Christmas before last. So it's only a it's a year and a half, almost two years old now. And I had no idea at the time that the thing took water filters that you had to put into it that cost 50 bucks a piece. And you're supposed to you're supposed to replace them every three months. Six on the outside. It's two hundred dollars a year in water filters for my refrigerator. <laughs> and I looked at the light and I looked at the fridge and I said, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> and finally, my ice maker quit working and I'm like, all right, fine. I mean, I've had it for two years, and this is the second water filter I've replaced in two years. So I guess I'm still winning, considering I'm supposed to change it quarterly or bi-yearly or whatever. But $50 for, I mean, what is it made of? 100% pure unobtainium? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's the size of a little milk jug. I mean, it's this little teeny tiny filter. 50 bucks. Oh, man. Oh, anyway, welcome back to the program. Good morning. How are you? I mean, it is Monday. It's, it's my, I just to give you guys some behind the scenes. I woke up this morning and I was on my phone doing some stuff, reading some stories, getting puttering around, getting ready, went into the studio and realized that there was no internet at the house that I'd been working on my phone and my phone had been working on 5g the whole time. I didn't realize that I had no internet at the house. Which is kind of important because everything goes to all the radio stations via the internet. It's a voiceover IP codec thing. Anyway, so then I scrambled around for 25 minutes trying to get the internet back up at the house. And just before the show started, we did it. It's, you know, woof. There you go. So that was how my Monday started. And uh, so that's kind of how we're at. That's where we're at this morning. That's, uh, you know, it, you know. Should be, you know, one of those things. It's a Monday. Tomorrow, though, is election day in the Matsu. Nowhere else, apparently, uh, because nobody else can decide where to have their freaking elections, right? It's October. No, it's April. No, it's, it's, it's thing. It's November. It's, you know, whatever. Uh, Matsu aligned all their municipal elections for the borough, not for the cities, because we just had the city elections in the Matsu in October. And tomorrow is going to be the big day for the Matsu borough. So election day, it's important. Get out there and vote. What do we got? Assembly seats, school board seats, and I believe... <laughs> I believe there is probably a uh, I, be I believe that there is probably a slew of bond issues that are available uh, that are going to be part and parcel of that whole deal right now. I can tell you right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, uh, well, you should have been registered to vote already. Where is the voting locate? Where is the the not the election calendar i want to see okay so you got the election you got propositions proposition number one so you've got uh proposition number one for the november 7th regular ballot uh proposition which is a ordinance 
relating to the construction, addition, improvements, betterments, repair, reconstruction, acquisition of public roads and pathways and facilities related to the Matsu Borough, together with all the necessary equipment and transportation facilities, uh, including improving school access and the acquisition of land rights and connect. This is the multi-million dollar one where they're going to try and do all these road improvements at these schools, including the one, what was this? This is the one that's got like the, what is it, $6 million? No, $3.5 million. $3.5 million. No, yeah, it is $6 million right here. Burma Road upgrades, uh, $3 million for the Museum Drive extension, $3.2 million for the King Arthur Drive reconstructions, the $2.6 million for the Yoder Road reconstruction, one point, I mean, it's just millions of dollars for all these road projects that are going on. Now, not that, I'm, not that I'm against road projects. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I have some questions. 9.9 million, excuse me, 9.19 million dollars for Shaw Elementary School. School site traffic and safety improvements. How much did the school cost? When it was built, $25, $26 million, and they have to do another $9.19 million in, in improvements to the for the school. $9 million for a single school. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking of. It is just uh, absolute madness. Um, I'll be voting no on the $38.1 million bond package. Just, I mean, because I'm contrary in that way. Because just like my refrigerator, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. Um, And of course, but you know, there it all is right there. I mean, again, $9.1 million, almost $9.2 million for a single project uh, at Shaw Elementary School, school site traffic and safety improvements. Uh, I uh, uh, now I love how they break it down though. The annual cost to the taxpayer per one hundred thousand dollars of assessed value is only five dollars and forty eight cents. We just spread the pain equally, so everyone feels it. Feel it's no big deal. It's only five and a half bucks. What do you care? Except for the fact, of course, that you've indebted your property for it. So don't worry about it. The whole package only costs $22.76 for $100,000 worth of assessment. So if your house is $400,000, don't worry. You're less than $100 in new taxes. Less than $100. Spread out over 20 years. God, I hate bonds. I mean, they <clears throat> they have their place. Don't get me wrong, especially when you're building something new. And I always admired, um, I always admired the people of the Matsu and, and a specific, a specifically around Wasilla. I mean, they built the Menard Sports Center, and then they built that new library, and they did it all with a two percent tax. And they sunset it. So as soon as everything was paid for, they turned the tax off, which was just Great. I remember Bert Cottle, who was mayor at the time, he wanted, he's like, oh, I've got another project that I want to use this to. And people were like, nope. And they shut the thing, shut it off. They're like, nope, no soup for you. No more, no more for you. 
Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is the one big bond project that I know is on the uh, is on the is on the deal. But it absolutely, uh, absolutely astonishing uh, that nine million dollars for the for the one thing. So we've got um, a variety of candidates here uh, running unopposed. Rob Yunt is running for borough assembly in District four. Uh, in District Five, you have two um, uh, have two candidates. You've got uh, Bill Campbell uh, against the incumbent uh, Moki Two, uh, who is uh, again Big Lake area out the, out towards this way. In District Six, you've got a three way race in District or four way race in District Six. Six. Uh, Dmitry Fonov is the uh, is the current uh, assembly member. You've got Kirby Coleman, ja- uh, Jackson Abney, and Stafford Glanchin all running for Assembly District Six. So it's a four way. I mean, I don't know. I'm vetoing. I'm I'm voting for Dmitry. Uh, I mean, I don't think I actually don't think I'm in his district, but I would be voting for Dmitry if I was in that district. I'm in District uh, Five, I think. Um, and then, of course, we've got the school board, the Kathy McCollum, who we talked to uh, late last week uh, with the newcomer, Sydney Zoyus, uh, who is uh, um, running uh, for election. And then Oli Larson against the conservative Diane Scheib. No, uh, she's not conservative. But I mean, that's what she's telling people. So those are the big, those are all the races that are going on. It doesn't seem like it's, uh, you know, you know, doesn't seem like much, but uh, it, uh, I think it is. These are the things that you need to remember. Who's been doing a good job for you? Who's been taking care of things? Especially those school board seats. The whole, you know, the fact that there's so much money being pumped into all of these different races um, whether directly to the candidates or through, uh, or whether through independent expenditures, uh, PAC money or independent expenditure groups, um, that should tell you all you need to know about what's going on and who you should be paying attention to in those uh, in those regards. But get out and vote. Grab somebody, take a friend. If you live in the Matsu, take a coworker. Go do the voting thing at lunch. Get it all done. Um, and I mean, if you want my recommendations. I would vote no on the bond issue because nine million, $38 million bond package, nine million of it is for is for that one school improvement. The other ones I could I could probably live with. I mean, we're talking about, you know, it, it, you know, improvements to different roads uh, around the uh, the communities and the neighborhoods and the areas, pavement rehabilitation, uh, you know. Bogart to Selden, inner and outer Springer Loop uh, workings and pathways. I mean, I, I could see some of this stuff. But again, $9 million of that going to school site traffic and safety improvements for Shaw Elementary School. I mean, you've got something that costs a third of the cost of the overall, how much it costs to build the school. You're going to now do all this other stuff to it. I mean, did was it something broken? Something broken in that? That's what I would be looking at anyway. So anyway, get out there. Go vote. Absentee, early voting. There's all kind. Of, just go to matsu.gov, uh, matsu.gov.us slash elections. 
matsugov.us slash elections. If you want to uh, uh, figure out where all this stuff is and take a look at everything and the voter pamphlet and everything else. I don't think I've seen a voter pamphlet. I guess I should be asking the same question. Did they do the same thing that they did down in the Kenai where they basically just stopped mailing out the voter pamphlet? You know, you know, is that is that what just to save some money? So you got to go look it up. I don't know. I don't know. All right. We have got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. It's going to be Myers Monday. Rob Myers is our guest. It's going to be fun stuff. We will be back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will return with more right after this. Terry said she got her voter pamphlet. I apparently didn't, or maybe my wife just didn't bother to give it to me. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe the kids didn't. Whatever. I'm sure that there was a loose communication somewhere between my between my uh, my mailbox and my, and my stack of mail that ends up on my end table. Okay. Let's try and keep the uh, conservatives in the MSBSD. Yes, let's try to do that. Wow, everything just got super laggy. All right, so uh, here's you guys are know you know what's going to happen here. I'm about to mash the refresh button, and you're going to see the blue screen for 15, 20 seconds. And Rob Myers is going to hang out in the green room. He doesn't have to go anywhere. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Here we go. Look at that. Look at that. All right. Okay. Uh, that seems to be, oh, look at that. Everything got a little less laggy. That's very nice. Okay. Uh, Rob Myers is, um, uh, Rob Myers is my guest. Um, we're going to get to him here in just a second. Never received a voter pamphlet, said Politidic, not deemed not worthy. <laughs> Alaska DOT wants $404 million to upgrade bridges in the Fairbanks borough to accommodate the one the one trucks. The one trucks? Currently, the trucks must bypass the flood project in Chena Hot Springs Road bridges and will avoid all others by going through town via Pegger and Johansson. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see what the man himself has to say about that. Uh, we'll see what he's got going on. Good morning, Mr. Myers. Sure. Look at you. What are you, are you, that's like you're hanging out this morning. You ready to go? Morning, Michael. How you doing? Good. Good. How's, uh, how's life treating you? Uh, well, back to, back, back to the grindstone. Uh, as you may notice, I am on location this morning. I can see that uh, you, you're on location in uh, lovely downtown somewhere or other. Uh, lovely downtown mile 305 Dalton Highway. Nice, nice. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Uh, are you, uh, you, you actually have pretty good internet for being out on the Dalton Highway. <laughs> There's no complaints there. You know, they, they, they've, uh, AT&T's done some upgrades up here over the last few years. Um, when I first started driving this road about five years ago, um, I would lose internet, uh, at the top of Wickersham Dome and then I'd pick it up again about 20 miles outside of Dead Horse. And since then, uh, AT&T has added cell towers at pump stations two, three, and four, and a cold foot. And so I'm about uh, six, seven miles from pump station three right now. Nice, nice. All right, well, we appreciate that. We appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy uh, schedule to uh, to join us. Um, lots of good stuff with your uh, with your latest uh, with your latest um, uh, video. I got a chance to sneak in and sneak a peek at it this morning before we got going, um, and we're 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 going to go over that here pretty good. Uh, talking about the economy and what a problem it is, uh, and you make some kind of spooky points. I'll be honest with you, there's some scary stuff in there when you start thinking about what's going on with the overall economy. And uh, and and you you make some points, of course, highlighted by some of the charts, which I will pull up as we go through it as well. So uh, be be ready for that. You bet. You bet. Ready okay. All right. I'm going to pull him back into the uh, green room here for just a minute here while I uh, go back through, make sure that. Uh, uh, do you have to put the Duke's show? Uh, oh, <laughs> Kevin. Kevin is asking Rob. Do you have to put the Duke show in your logbook? That's a question. Do you have to put the Duke show in your logbook? Uh, it's, you know, it's, you know, is it? Um, it says something that the guest is the guest in the ass end of nowhere somehow is a better internet connection than GCI provides in the town where the show is being broadcast from. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was pretty, I, I was a little, I was kind of swearing a blue streak this morning over all that. I'll be honest with you. I was not, I was not a happy man this morning. Let's just put it, let's just put it that way. I was not a happy camper this morning uh, as it, uh, as I was struggling to try and get the internet back um, on the program. All right, let me see. Um, I'm doing here. I got to, I forgot to pull, I forgot to pull uh, the pictures here. Let me get that real quick uh, so that I can. Uh, show these graphs that Rob had in his um, uh, in his presentation that he did on this video. Let me let me excuse me while I whip this out. Uh, here we go. Okay. All right. So now we will be back uh, and ready to go with uh, Rob here in just a hot. Hot, hot, whoops, that's not what I wanted. That's what I wanted right there. Okay, so we'll have that here with uh, with Rob here in just a moment, and we'll be ready to go. All right, my friends, please like and share the show, like and follow the show page, do all the stuff that you've got uh, going on there, um, and uh, be ready for uh, another great one with Rob Meyer for Meyer's Monday here on the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Here we go. Let's do this thing.
Hey, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to everything, including the podcast, the audio-only live stream, social media sites where we simulcast the radio show, and so much more. Uh, But let's get right to it here in Hour 2 this morning. We're going to be talking with State Senator Rob Myers, who is up for what we lovingly like to call Myers Monday. He is reporting to us today from an uh, undisclosed secret location at mile 305 of the Dalton Highway, which I guess means I just disclosed it. I could tell you, but then I now I have to kill everyone because I told everyone where you're at. Uh, he's up on the road right now doing some work, has pulled over for a coffee break and sit down and talk with us about his, uh, his latest video, which if you've been following on his website or on his Facebook page at Myers for Alaska on Facebook, um, he's been doing a video series to talk about the PFD, the economy, and all these other things. His latest one is entitled, So, How Screwed Up Is Our Economy Exactly? And, oh, baby, does he give it to us in no uncertain terms. You thought a bad, you thought a Brad Keithley beatdown was bad. Uh, wait till you watch this video with uh, Rob Myers. He joins us right now. Good morning, sir. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, we're doing okay, Michael. Just uh, kind of waking up like everybody else. Yeah, well, you're 300 miles away. I hope it. I hope you're you're awake now and and ready to go, getting everything warmed up and ready to head up off the trail. We appreciate you coming on uh, and joining us this morning, Rob. Um, so let's uh, let's get started here. How bad is the economy in the state of Alaska? Um, and let's get down into some nitty gritty details because you and I have talked about it a lot, the disconnect between the public and the private economy, how some people just seems to it just be ambivalent or, you know, willfully ignorant about what's going on. Give me, give me your, your thoughts. Right. So, um, the last time we talked, uh, I just released my first video and one of the pieces that I mentioned in there was that if you look at our economy as a whole and you just separate out government, you know, state, state government, that's about 20% of our economy. Then you separate out the oil and gas industry, and that's about another 20% of our economy. And that's not counting for any of the trickle down effects. And so uh, with this latest video, I started going into some more detail. And I said, okay, well, what other sectors of the economy do we have? You know, because we talk all the time about, you know, mining and fishing and tourism and all this this sort of stuff that Alaska has going for it. And I said, okay, so let's actually look at that and see where things are. And, you know, so I, I said, well, all right, let, let's take, let's take the oil and gas and mining off the top. Now, unfortunately the feds 
put oil and gas and mining together when they collect the data. And so that makes it difficult to separate them out. Um, but let's just take that one off the top because it is so large uh, by itself that it kind of overshadows everything. And so that one's gone from that, that graph that you've got there. But then looking at the next three uh, largest sectors in the private economy there, you, you, you say, oh, okay, well, we got a few things that are growing. And then until you start to understand why they're growing and you realize that actually we're in worse shape. So that very top line there, that's uh, transportation. And well, I, I know a little something about transportation that, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, transportation in, uh, in Alaska, of course, is extremely important, but it's also heavily tied to the oil sector. And you can see that with where the peaks and the valleys are in that line on the uh, on transportation there. And so, yes, it's growing. Uh, it's still heavily tied back to that one overarching industry, which is oil. Um, it, it's also something to keep in mind that um, transportation doesn't just mean trucks and trains and airplanes. It also includes the pipeline. And the pipeline, of course, you know, I want to keep that filled just as much as the next person. But I also recognize that one reason that that transportation line is going up is because we're talking about the costs of operating the pipeline. And as the pipe continues to get older, those costs go up. And the line is going up, but let's not let's not kid ourselves and say that increased costs mean better economic activity. Now we're not actually producing something new. We're just spending more money to maintain what we have. Right. Spinning our wheels as that goes. Right, right. You know, and is it necessary? Yes. But is it actually getting us anywhere? Well, not really. The next line down that you see there, that's real estate. And you expect in, in a good economy, you expect real estate to be going up because you have more transactions. The transactions have higher value. This is a normal thing. But then you start to examine what's actually going on in the real estate market in Alaska. And you realize that a lot of that is actually not the sales. It's actually rents and leases. And so effectively what that real estate uh, line is telling us is that housing in Alaska is getting more expensive, which again, this is not necessarily good news. The numbers may be going up, but that's not really helpful. And, you know, there's a, a lot of that is Anchorage, you know, since that's, you know, almost half of the, the market right there, half the population. But you see the same problem around the around the state. There's a lot of reasons for it, and I don't want to get into all the reasons for it, but the short version is real estate is going up because we don't have enough housing, and the housing we do have is getting more expensive. So, again, not exactly a bright spot. <laughs> <laughs> the next line down with a nice steady increase, except for a little dip in COVID there, that's healthcare. Um, healthcare has a lot of great jobs. If you're looking for... Uh, a career, you know, if you're in your, you know, just getting out of high school or just getting out of college, healthcare is a, is a great career. You can make some good money. There's a lot of demand ar around the state, around the country. But if you're talking about it as an economic driver, that is, again is, <clears throat> it's, it's not exactly a bright spot because again, kind of like spending money with the pipeline, you know, you're spending money to maintain effectively. Now, in this case, instead of maintaining a piece of infrastructure, we're maintaining people's lives, which is important. But, you know, we, we have to understand exactly what we're buying with our money there. And we also have to remember that Alaska has the most expensive health care in the country. 
which means that um, the prices are going up, but things aren't necessarily getting better. And, um, you know, and, and you got to remember that every dollar that you spend in healthcare is a dollar that could have been spent elsewhere in the private economy, invested elsewhere to grow something else. So if we could keep our, our healthcare expenses under control, we'd be in a whole lot better place in, in our economy to begin with. Second thing you have to realize about healthcare is that um, something along the lines of 80% of the healthcare in Alaska is funded by government in some way, shape or form. Could be federal state employee health plans, Medicare, Medicaid, IHS, the VA, um, TRICARE, you know, all of these, these different pieces of government funded healthcare. Um, and, and so a lot of what that line is showing us with healthcare going up is again, just government spending going up. Again, that does not necessarily mean that the private economy is doing well. Right. And so the, the, the things that look good really are not that good of an indication of what is going on in our economy. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in a world of hurt right now, Michael. Yeah, no, and it's for those of you who don't know what's uh, what we're talking about here with uh, with the, the the graphs and everything. I'm posting these graphs up on the uh, Facebook uh, feed this morning. If you want to go out and take a look at them later, you could take a look at these. But again, we're talking about Alaska private industries' gross domestic product, and the fact that healthcare and social assistance is the third largest line for private industry gross domestic product. Um, again, just goes back to show what we've talked about in the past, where you now have large portions of the private sector that are basically serving and servicing strictly government interests at this point um, in, in a lot of ways. And that just kind of shows you some of the problems here. And this is just, again, gross domestic product. But you move on and take this even further and take a look at the volatility of things as well. Yeah, you know, it. it we are so heavily dependent on those those two main industries of oil and government. And I mean, obviously, you know, we know oil goes up and down like crazy. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're watching those those numbers right now. I haven't seen the prices yet this morning, but um, I, I get an email uh, every weekday about what the oil prices are doing. And they've been, you know, they spiked up a couple of months ago and everybody said, oh, we're going to have a couple extra billion dollars next year. And now they're back in the downward slide. And we ran through this same thing about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, where you know oil prices spiked at what, 105 or something like that after Russia invaded Ukraine. And we said, great, we're gonna have a ton of money. And then um, by the time we came back for the next session in January, oil prices were back in the 70s. You know, and yeah, you've got the, the graph up there showing what, what oil has done in the state over the last about uh, not quite 20 years now. And, uh, you know, you got you got to remember that, that you know, our, our production has been on a slow, steady decline that entire time period. So that entire volatility there has just been due to oil price. And, you know, the state of Alaska on, on a worldwide scale, the state of Alaska is a relatively small player. So we don't really control the price. That's done by the Saudis, the frackers down in Texas, you know, uh, uh, the Russians, a couple of other larger players around the country, around the world. And, you know, we're, we're kind of along for the ride there. 
And then you've got government in there as well. And government tries to be, you know, somewhat steady um, for, for an operating budget. You kind of have to be. Um, but, you know, we end up with wild swings there, too, based on, you know, uh, at a minimum based on oil earnings, you know, and uh, now it's based on, to some extent, the swings of the permanent fund. And so what do we do with, with those wild swings? Well, occasionally we've done the smart thing and put some, some money away. You know, in 2013, we, we had that $3 billion down payment into the, the PERS and TERS system to, to take care of some of that liability. That was a smart move. Uh, but more often what we do is we take a bunch of that money and we shove it into a capital budget. And then you sit there and go, all right, well, great. We just, we just spent some money to, to build infrastructure in our state. Uh, until you again sit back and realize that building infrastructure does not necessarily mean you're doing a whole lot other than uh, providing jobs for some construction workers for a couple of summers. Uh, because again, our state has no, uh, nothing set up to show, all right, what's going to be a good investment, what's not going to be a good investment. And if you're just, if, if your goal is just to grow the economy, or to, to put dollars into the economy. Honestly, the capital budget is almost the worst way you can do that uh, because so much of it immediately turns around and leaves state uh, for building materials and stuff that we don't produce here. So that for every uh, $1,000 that we put into the capital budget, something like five or 600 of it is what gets into the local economy. And you know, you know the, the rest of it's immediately leaving state. So, you know, it, it's again, we're back to this kind of, you know, two trick pony that we've got. We've got oil and we have government. And until we break that cycle, uh, we're going to continue to be in a world of hurt. Rob Myers is our guest. We're talking with him about the uh, what is the actual state of the economy here in the state of Alaska. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Uh, we've got to take a quick break. And when we come back. We will continue this discussion. Again, you can check out his latest video over on Facebook. Just look for Myers for Alaska on Facebook, and you can find his uh, latest video posted last Wednesday talking about just how bad is our economy screwed up. I mean, how, how bad is it? He'll continue to disseminate that and uh, dissect it for us here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're back with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, uh, Rob Myers, our guest here on the program, um, as we go through uh, and talking about the latest on the economy. I mean, this is all... <laughs> this whole... T t get, talk about with us first, just a second here, Rob, the genesis of this um, of this video series. What made you think that you know, what made you think to put together this video series? What's the underlying tone here? Well, so the underlying tone, as we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, the underlying message is that when it comes to Alaska's economy, we 
as individuals don't matter. What really matters in our economy is the decision makers down in Juneau, and to a lesser extent, the decision makers in the large multinationals that come up here to do a resource extraction. And so that it really leaves you and I as individuals out in the dust. And, you know, we, we see the, the results of that when people go try to talk to their legislators and they say, oh, well, well, dude, this is what you need to be doing. This is why I voted for you. And the legislators turn around and go, well, you just don't understand. Well, no, they do understand from a certain perspective that our economy is constructed in such a way that the legislators are the ones that make decisions. And that's a screwed up state for our economy. Um, now, I, I started this. Uh, actually, uh, you can you can credit my wife with a good chunk of this uh, because um, I got home from session this year and I started to talk to her a little bit about the background of what's going on, about um, what's what's going on with the, the push for the POMV. Uh, you know, we've seen some more uh, stuff about that in the news over the last few months, uh, you know, wanting that, that constitutional amendment. And I explain a lot of the backstory to her and she looks at me with wide eyes and she says, you need to do this exactly what you just told me and put it in a video and put it online. And I said, you know, that's not a bad idea. And what she and I were talking about um, is going to come up here in another week or two um, in, in regard to the permanent fund structure and how that is contributing to our, our government and things like that. Um, and that, you know, what's happening with the dividends specifically. Um, but, you know, I expanded out to that and I said, you know, there's a lot more background to know here of what's going on. And it's, it's really easy um, if you're not in it on a daily basis, it's really easy to miss, you know, the, the big picture of, of what's going on here. And, you know, everybody picks up on a little bits and pieces here and there. We all know that, you know, oil prices spike and Alaska gets a big infusion of cash, you know, for example. We know about the travails with the dividend, for example. But, you know, I thought it was going to be really worthwhile to just take all of those pieces and tie them all together for everybody and, and put that out in the public and say, look, guys, here's the big picture about what's going on. We're not fighting little individual battles here and there over oil and the economy and the permanent fund and, you know, a couple, three other things, uh, you know, just regulation, things like that. No, no, no. It's all really different facets of the same battle all going on. And this is the structure that we've had in our government for the last, oh, 50-ish years. And that, that's why we're in this mess. We're, we're not fixing problems that have been here since Walker. We've, we're fixing problems that have been here since the 1960s. And that's why it's so hard. We're trying to dig out from under all of that mess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, and I think that's a big thing is that we keep fighting a lot of the same. Uh, we're fighting a lot of the same battles over and over and over again. We're never getting a true resolution to a lot of these problems. And we need to continue to point out and what you're doing is basically dissecting it to take all the detritus off the top so we could see exactly what the underlying problem is, which I think is an important component to what we, we need to do. We need to look at this and uh, and 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 analyze it and take action on it that's the thing you know the the plan without the the action without the action everything else 
it doesn't matter. We, we can look at it. We can talk about it. But we've got to get to the action part of it. Uh, right. Rob Myers is our uh, is our guest. We're going to continue here in just a second. Uh, we're going to continue with him here. Please like, share, and follow. Uh, like and share uh, wherever you are and uh, from whatever platform you're watching on. Let's get back to it here. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Let's do it. All right, we're continuing now. State Senator Rob Meyer is, uh, Myers is our guest. Uh, we're talking about his latest video on the state of the economy. And uh, before we went to break, we were just talking about the highest, you know, the different sectors and where the biggest GDP was and what private sector industries were actually getting it. But, you know, Rob continues to have to take out the oil industry and the government, which are the two biggest industries, unfortunately. And uh, you, while you could take him out for the graphing so that you could see it, it does have an effect on uh, on everything else, and you can't just eliminate it from the formula. Rob, I'll let you continue here uh, on your discussion. Right. You know, you, you've got government and oil directly contributing to about 40% of the economy, and indirectly you're looking at probably, I've, you know, I've, I've seen estimates anywhere between 50 and 80%. And, you know, that's that gets harder to tease out in the numbers. Uh, you can you can tell it's it's up there a ways when you start to realize what each sector of the economy means. But, um, you know, this is this is the problem that we get into down in Juneau is, you know, because oil and government are such large sectors of our economy that the the thinking starts to get around Juneau that well, cutting the budget means cutting the economy. We don't want to cut the economy. Right. And, you know, that it, it's this it's it's partially a public perception problem that we're that we're in here because, um, you know, we've we've had so many of these kind of large projects coming out of the oil industry and, and some other related things, you know, with, um, you know, let's let's uh, you know, let's put Willow out there or you go back a little further and, the, you know, the state built the parks highway, you know, these large projects that that meant so much to the economy at the time and, and you know, and, and for some of them meaning so much going forward too, that now our, our public perception is warped. We've got all this oil money, so we have to be looking for the next big thing. And the next big thing is fine if it's done and managed properly. And that's, that's not always the case around this state. Um, but the problem is that if all you're ever doing is looking for the next big thing, you're missing all of the little pieces along the way. You know, if you look around the country, something along the lines of 60% of the job growth around the country is just small businesses hiring one or two or three people at a time. It's not some large business coming into an area. It's not some big construction project. It's not that, you know, th those things are nice, but those are the pinnacle of the pyramid. That's not the base of it. That's not the body of it. The The body of an economy is small, little incremental gains here and there sustained over time. Right. And 
Well, isn't the number isn't the isn't the number something like uh, across the country something like eighty five percent of jobs are provided by small business and entrepreneurs? There we go, eighty five percent. Yeah, it's been a while since I went to look for that number, so I forgot. Um, but you know, it, that 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 little bits and pieces of, of small business growth is really what drives an economy in the long run. And you know, some of these big projects, it's like, oh, well, you get to a point where the economy is now ready for it. And in Alaska, we've had so many instances of we try to force it, thinking that the big thing is going to drive everything else. When in reality, most of the time, it's the other way around, that that everything else is kind of moving forward and it hits a stopping point until the big project gets built. You know, and then that's, you know, kind of what releases the floodgates. But if you're not to that point yet and you go build that big project, you don't get much in the way of returns from it. So... You know, that's that's that, that's the problem. One of the problems that we're facing is we've had so much focus on where we're going to build a billion dollar construction project or an oil company is going to put three billion dollars into this project on the slope or, you know, we're going to we're going to invest another half a billion in education or, or something along these lines and thinking that that's what's going to push us forward. And we, we have to change that mindset. And part of changing that mindset actually then goes back to the dividend, because when you have all of that natural resource wealth and you have all of that financial wealth from the permanent fund, then concentrated in the government that warps people's thinking because then somebody says, okay, in order to grow uh, my business, in order to grow my livelihood, what's the easiest way for me to do that? Well, the government's got most of the money. So I'm going to go find a way to serve the government. If you put that money back into individuals hands, what does somebody say? Well, the best way for me to make a living is to serve my neighbors. It's to provide a valuable product or service that they respond to, not, oh, how well can I lobby for a contract? You know, and and that's the difference that we're looking at here is is that that underlying change in the relationship from a vertical relationship with the government to a horizontal relationship with your friends and your neighbors in, uh, you know, in, in your community or across the state, that's what's going to grow an economy in the long run. And if we don't come to grips with that, we are going to continue to be sitting here wondering, well, what are we doing wrong? Well, this goes uh, this goes back again to the, you know, to the discussion that we had late last week where we were talking about the dependency. Right. I mean, this is a dependency state we've created. We are living in it right now. They're either dependent on the one side on the social network, the social welfare network, the safety net. Uh, again, talking about, you know, 30 percent of our citizens being on, uh, you know, Medicaid or some form of welfare uh, in the state of Alaska. And on the other side, you're talking about the corporate cronyism, the dependency state of where you've built whole industries that do nothing but serve government where they built their entire business model around servicing government contracts and things like that. Meanwhile, ignoring any potential to create, you know, some kind of anchor in the private economy to help bolster up, you know, bolster things up. Yeah, no, that's, that's hundred percent accurate. And, and again, it goes back to that, that change in perception, that warped thinking, that happens when you concentrate all of that wealth into a certain area. You know, it's it's easy to to um, you know think about like say a, a small town down in the Rust Belt. You know, 
you know, when when the the major employer in the area is, uh, let's say, the auto parts manufacturer, you know, just as, as one example, and you know, to see what happens over the course of 30, 40, 50 years as that that plant becomes, you know, the the largest piece of, of the economy, and then the plant goes bust, and then the whole town goes bust. Well, Alaska is kind of in that same situation, except instead of the auto parts plant, it's oil and government. And a lot of what we're running into is you got people in government that say, well, you can't cut government because that's such a big part of the economy. We can't cut the economy. And we've, we've got this model going since the 70s where the state takes oil money and distributes it out through the operating budget, the capital budget. And that creates so much of our economy. And so now they're just trying to continue that same model. But instead of oil money, we're going to use permanent fund money. And that's why the dividend is going away is because that you've got people in Juno, you've got people connected to Juno, you know, through through lobbying efforts and things like that, that say, well, this is our bread and butter right here is is how the government spreads out the money. If the government's running out of the oil money, well, it's got to get its money from somewhere. And we have to have a change in our in our thinking to say, no, 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 no. Your biggest driver in an economy is going to be your individual citizen, your individual citizen as a worker, your individual citizen as a small business owner. And in order for that to happen, you have to get that capital out from the government's hands back into individuals' hands. And that's what the dividend does for us is it's it's a stand-in for the oil royalties that so many other places like Texas or Pennsylvania or Oklahoma have that that become that seed to start other businesses. And we've short-circuited that process here because the state gets all the oil money and the dividend is the stand-in for that. And once it was finally getting to the point where it was big enough to actually make a difference in terms of things like starting businesses, that's exactly when the state started taking it. And we're going to, to hamstring ourselves in the long run if we don't come to grips with that. Well, and this is part of the problem when we talked about, uh, you know, again, taking this money out of the economy. And again, uh, you know, that's when the government, like you said, that's when they saw it and they were like, oh, well, that's a money. That's a money source that we can grab onto. Uh, but <clears throat> nobody's talking about the lost effect on the economy, except ICER and, and uh, you know, those folks. They said this is the biggest this is the worst thing you could do and they went ahead and did it anyway and now we're seeing here we are six seven years later of a growth of government and you know i don't even if even if we did uh you know because people talk about well we're not getting enough for our oil well the problem is it's not it's not necessarily a revenue problem it's a spending problem if we had gotten more for our oil if we had gotten another billion dollars a year for our oil based on the spending uh, habits of the legislature right now, they would have spent all that and then some, and probably still taken the PFD. They're not. They're not analyzing what that effect is on the private economy. Again, this goes back to people saying, "Well, the economy's great because the government has the money and the government's spending money." Not that the economy is not doing well because the private economy, as you point out, and I don't think you hit the stats at the beginning of this as you did in the video where you talk about where we are in the country on our actual economy. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a, those are some eye opening stats. Good point. I I I, uh, I I pulled them out before the show, and I forgot to to start with those. Um, from 2011 
2021, we were the worst performing economy in the country. From 2012 to 2021, we lost 70,000 people moving out of state. And that's uh, as a proportion of the of the state, that's just under 10%. That's the, again, the worst performance in the country as far as a, as a percentage of your population. You know, the only reason that our population stayed about the same is because we had enough births in, in the state to, uh, to make up for that. You know, it, we, we've got the worst ranking of government debt service to tax revenue. Um, we've got the second most public employees per capita. Um, and our education scores are at the bottom, as, as you've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks here. Um, and finally, uh, if you look at job growth uh, as a percentage of your population, we're 38th in the nation. Okay, we're not the bottom, but put that in perspective. The slope is booming. The military has been expanding. Uh, it just came out in the paper, uh, what, late last week that we just had a record year for tourism. And we can't get out of the bottom third uh, for job growth in the country. Um, yeah, we got a problem here. <laughs> well, because, again, how much of that is public sector growth versus private sector growth? The oil industry, obviously, is private sector growth. But the rest of it, <clears throat> you know, especially on the on the governmental side, that's where the biggest growth is happening. More employees, more things like that. Again, it goes back to that disconnect that we've talked about between the public and the private economy. We're the only state in the union where the state government doesn't have to pay attention to what the, the private sector is doing, doesn't have to pay attention to how good it's doing or how bad it's doing because they don't get their revenue from there directly. Right. And I want to go back a little bit to, to something you brought up about ICER, you know, pointing out that, you know, cutting the dividend is the worst thing you can do for the economy. That's accurate, but that even that doesn't show the full extent of what the problem is because what ICER was looking at was consumption. They just said, okay, if you cut the dividend, how much less are people spending, basically? You know, how much less are you going to be spending on medical bills or on Christmas presents or, you know, the, the whole nine yards? You know, uh, how, how, how much does it make it harder to make your house payment, uh, you know, uh, pay your heating bill, things like that? And, and those are all important. I'm, I'm not dismissing those, but I'm saying that that is going to miss the more important side, which is the investment side and the investment that actually grows the economy over the long run. Consumption is what keeps an economy grow going during the year, but investment is what gets it to grow from year to year. And if you don't have that investment, then you're not just killing your economy for this year, you're killing your economy for five or 10 or 15 years down the road. And we had a guy testify at the legislature a couple of years ago that said that, uh, the, the uncertainty and the turmoil that we've had in our state's finances uh, for the last about, let's call it eight years now, is, is hurting us to the tune of something in the neighborhood of a half a billion dollars of private investment across the state every year. And just think of that half a billion dollars that could have been invested in 2015 and what that would have meant in terms of of economic growth and job growth here in 2023 after compounding over the last eight years. And remember that that's every year. That's not right. just we lost that one year. We're losing that every year because of the volatility 
and the uncertainty in our state's finances. And I think you made a I think you made an important point when you said the dividend was getting just getting to the point to where it would have made a significant difference in business creation and job growth. When you all of a sudden, if you've got a family of four and you can gather together $20,000 worth of dividends and to invest and start in a business, again, ICER didn't look at the investment side of it. They just looked at the consumption and spending side of it. That could have made a huge difference in the economy. you got one minute here. Oh, let me, I'm sorry. I had you muted. There. Let me, one minute. That's very true. And, and, um, you know, that's that's one other thing that, that got brought up in that same hearing is somebody from the small business center was uh, talking to us and said, you know, if you look at the small businesses across the economy, this is across the nation, not just Alaska, a quarter of your small businesses only take ten thousand dollars or less to get started. And that was a few years ago. So add a little bit more than that for inflation now. But, you know, if you can start a quarter of your businesses with ten thousand dollars. That's like, you know, three dividends if we follow the statutory formula and we'd be sitting a lot prettier than we are now. Absolutely. Rob Myers is our guest. Uh, We're going to continue with him here in just a second. Uh, When we get back, we're going to uh, talk about some of the solutions that Rob sees. Uh, Because, again, how screwed are we in this economy? Pretty screwed. I mean, didn't even get a nice drink ahead of time at this point. We're going to continue with Rob Myers here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Rob Myers is our guest here. And I keep seeing, uh, I mean, again, I shouldn't I shouldn't feed the trolls, but I keep going on and Harold going on and on and on. Oh, we didn't get our money. We didn't get our money. We didn't get our money from the oil companies. We didn't get, again, if we had gotten the billions of dollars, this is not a revenue problem. This is a spending problem. If all those billions of dollars had been there over the years, they still would be spending. I mean, look at the amount of we're spending on government in the various industries, including education and everything else. And we still have piss poor results. We still are not doing well. We still need more. Right. I mean, that's always the answer here. So if we had had all that, you know, let's say you're right, 100 percent. OK, billions of dollars more. We'd still be at this location because it's a spending problem, not a revenue problem. That's that's the one half of it. Yes, you're 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 absolutely right. That's one half, but the other half is that production chart that I sent you, um, and you start to realize that we uh, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because right about the time that we passed Aces is when the um, it, yeah that one. Um, well, at the time we passed ACEs is when the fracking boom started to hit the rest of the country. And you realize that because we jacked our price, our, uh, our tax rates up, that we lost out on a good chunk of investment about the time that they were doing all of the uh, experimentation with fracking. And they said, okay, we know this works in principle, but where does it work? How well does it work? That's when we, we really started to lose ground. And so did did we rake in a ton of money in the short term by raising our oil taxes? Yeah, we did. 
But in long term, we shot ourselves in the foot because we lost out on so much potential future production. And, you know, since since uh, we switched uh, off of ACES in 2014, our production has basically leveled out. And it's actually increased a little bit in the last couple of years uh, for the first time in decades. Um, but, you know, that you, you want to talk about um, you want to talk about just, oh, well, we need more money from the oil companies. Well, it might get you more money in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to hurt you. And I mean, this this chart says it all right here. This chart gives you the full rundown of exactly what we're talking about here as far as production and everything else. Right, Rob? Yeah, it does. Because so what this chart is showing is monthly production comparing Alaska to Texas. And Alaska is orange. Texas is the blue. And you can see that for close to 20 years there, we were basically neck and neck with Texas in, in terms of production. And then you start seeing about 2006, 2008 there. That is when Texas production finally leveled off. They stopped their decline, and then it started shooting up like crazy about 2009, 2010, as the fracking boom really took off. And we completely missed that entire investment cycle because we were more focused on how much money can we soak out of them in oil taxes. And again, the tax structure in the state of Alaska is a big factor when oil companies are deciding where to invest. It, it, it really is. I mean, you know, it's it's not the only thing, you know, I mean, keep in mind that we've got, you know, huge distances to cover to get materials up there. You've got harsh climate to deal with, um, you know, dealing with the winters. You know, if you're down in Texas, you can drill for oil, set, you know, 12 months a year. Up here, you've got, you know, four. And, you know, because just because of the way the climate works and, um, you know, you have to take those those factors into account, too. And as a result, we probably have to set our tax rates a little bit lower than some other places to make up for that, to encourage the oil companies to invest here. And that's, you know, it's the nature of the beast. It's, it's just kind of part of doing business. But, but if we neglect that, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot for the long run. Rob Myers is our guest. Uh, sorry, I got to. I got to mute Rob every time I talk because it's echoing back. Uh, Rob Myers is our guest uh, reporting to us live from mile 305 of the Dalton Highway, taking a little time out this morning to talk about, uh, you know, what is the state of our economy? And and again, um, I don't know how I could make it any plainer. If we had had more money, they would have spent more money at this point. This is, you know, again, we've 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 framed this for years the legislature and the powers that be have framed this for years as a revenue problem. And my argument has never been, has always been that it's a spending problem. Well, what's happened now is that it's been a spending problem long enough that now it is a spending and a revenue problem because they've spent so much that they are dependent on that. Uh, they could have nipped this in the bud, you know, a while ago. Right, Rob? No, we, we could. And it's, it, uh, you know, we can go into this a little bit more once we get out of the break, but, uh, my next video uh, coming out uh, Wednesday is going to talk a little bit about where we've spent money and why it hasn't worked and the, the concept of the difference between consumption and investment. And we've gotten the two so confused that we say, well, necessarily, if you spend money here, it's an investment. Well, it may be if you do it right, but that's not how we've been doing it. And we've been doing it as consumption. And so it's been wasted effort by large, by and large. Uh, Rob Myers is our guest. Okay, we're going to jump back into it here. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share 
If wherever you are, share the show. If you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, wherever, if you're listening on the podcast, tell a friend about it. Let's get back to it. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. All right, we're continuing with Rob Myers. One final segment of the program this morning. We've been talking about his video, which, again, you can find on his Facebook page, Myers for Alaska, M-Y-E-R-S, Myers for Alaska. If you want to go over on Facebook and take a look at it, he's got a continuing video series that you can watch there. The latest one talking about how bad is the economy, compar- I mean, comparatively. Uh, and he hits the numbers. We have been the in the last... 10 years from 2011 to 2021, the worst, the worstest of the worst. So the question becomes now, Rob, what is the answer? How do we, how do we fix this in this regard? How do we, the people try and push on our legislators to fix this? What is it going to, what does it do? Right. So I want to talk a little bit about what kind of what has been tried, and this is going to be a little bit of a preview of the video coming out here in two in two more days um you know our our legislature says well we've tried to to grow the economy it hasn't worked and well let me give you a couple of examples why you know a couple of things that normally should grow an economy that that do come from from government money are infrastructure and education okay and so those things should in theory grow an economy the problem is that in our in in our state we have confused investment with consumption. Now, investment is something where you spend money that is going to create more money down the long run. And consumption is just when you spend money and it's gone. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad to spend the money. You just recognize that it's not going to get you anywhere further down the road. So, you know, consumption is your grocery bill. Investment is buying your house, you know, for, for most people where you know, we started to realize that, that our state government started to realize that it could effectively um, bribe the public with the public's money, to use the talk bill's words, um, because we take this money that should go to infrastructure that builds our economy, and we turn it into consumption because it is money that buys jobs uh, for the next couple of years in the construction industry, whether that's road construction or constructing electrical lines or constructing broadband infrastructure, you know, and, and it's easy for us to say, well, infrastructure is good, but if you don't have a metric to sit down and say, this infrastructure is a good investment and this one is not, then it quickly turns into consumption because investment is something that benefits you 10 or 20 years down the line. But legislators don't care about 10 or 20 years down the line. Legislators care about in two years or four years because that's when your your next election is. And so what are we gonna do to benefit people in two years or four years? Well, we're gonna give them jobs uh, for for the summer, uh, you know, next summer, you know, cause then come next October, November, then they're thinking about us who gave them that job so that they will vote for us again. And you run into the same problem with education. Education should be an investment in our kids, but when you, when you start examining what's going on psychologically, 
and you say, you know, we're not focused on outcomes, which is what investment is should be focused on is what outcome is this giving me? But instead, we're focused on how much money are we spending? That should tell you that really what we're focused on is how much are we consuming? And it, it's, it's almost like education to some extent is a luxury good of, you know, hey, look at me, look at how great I am because I spend so much money on education. The question should be, you know, what is that money buying me? And we're not doing that, unfortunately. And so to get back to your question, the problem is that politicians look at what is politically expedient and not what is economically sound. Your average person has an incentive to look at what is economically sound because we're the ones that are going to be living with it in 10 or 20 years. You know, as I mentioned the last time we were on here, I was talking to one of my colleagues and I said, well, this, your plan's only going to work for another three or four years. And he says, yeah, but by then I'm out of here. So that's your problem. Well, no, we need to be looking 10 or 20 years down the road. And who's better equipped to do that? Is it individuals or is it people that have to run for re-election to keep their jobs every two or four years? Well, I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to be individuals. And so that's got to be step one is we have to get that money back into the hands of individuals so that they can invest in the economy. The other flip side of that is we have to put ourselves in a, situ in a, in a structure where the government has to care about what the private economy is doing and fix that disconnect that we've talked about so many times. Because by, you know, we, we already got a, a major disconnect where the government only has to care about oil because that's the only part of the private economy it really draws, draws significant money out of. Now we're slowly working on cutting that and switching over to we're getting our money out of Wall Street. So what's the state going to care about? What's well, going to care about what Wall Street is doing? It's not going to care about what's happening on Main Street in Fairbanks or Anchorage or Ketchikan or Bethel or, you know, pick a community. Right. And until we get to a place where that is what the state cares about again, because that's where its money comes from, our economy is going to be in a hole because our our elected leaders can can regulate or tax a business out of existence and not have to care because that's not where their money's coming from. Which, again, goes right back to what we were talking about. The only state in the union where the government does not have to care about what's going on in the private sector in their state. Because every because every other economy, every other state has to depend on you know state income tax, state sales tax, some kind of revenue coming from the private sector to fund it. And we've broken that connection. And so, again, like they said, well, I don't care what happens in two or three years. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, that's why they were pushing for the P, uh, the permanent fund to hit $100 billion, because then they could count on $5 billion a year spinning off from that. They don't want to have that connection. Correct. Correct. Yeah, you take that $5 billion a year, you use it to leverage in your federal money, uh, because you got to keep in mind that for, for, uh, for our state budget, on average, about half of our funding is federal. And uh, usually there's a state match involved there. So you use that, that $5 billion off of the permanent fund to leverage in another $5 billion off of the, uh, off of the federal government, and that's $10 billion, and our state economy is something in the neighborhood of $50 billion, so that puts the uh, 
uh, state government at 20% of the state economy, which is about where it's been for the last 20-ish years. Um, and now we're sitting pretty and we don't have to care what the, uh, what the rest of the economy does. And you know what? Actually, it gets to a point where if a person leaves the state, that's actually a benefit to the state, not a cost because they weren't deriving any revenue off of them. And when that person left, they took their kids with them. So they're not driving on the roads anymore. Their kids aren't in school anymore. So we have to pay for any of that stuff. And so uh, we're, we're getting to this very perverse incentive where it actually makes it better for the state government if people leave state. That's a... <laughs> That's a sad that's a sad statement right there. It's better for the state if people leave because then they can create the enormous uh, national park that they're looking for. And uh, I mean, that's that's the that's the good stuff. Rob Myers, uh, thank you, my friend. We appreciate you coming on board and joining us today. We're out of time. Hold the line for just a second, folks. Tomorrow, Brad Keithley, Chris Story, The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based. Free thing and radio. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. All right. Final bite at the apple for Rob Myers. He's just marking down the Michael Duke show on his log right now to make sure that people know where it was going. Uh. <laughs> that, that, that ex, well, I mean, it, not marking down the Duke show, but yeah, that, that's my log book right there. That's this stupid thing. It, all right. I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> go completely another direction here for a minute because I've got you. So the federal government uh, mandated these e-logs starting at the end of 2017. Um, truckers have been doing logs uh, with, with hours of duty status for, for since the 1930s. So, I mean, that part's nothing new. But these dumb things became mandatory in at the end of 2017. And I had a feeling that they were causing more problems than they were fixing. And so uh, over the summer, I had one of my staff members dig into the uh, data with it. And um, we took a look at the crash data and it was relatively low in 2015, 2016, 2017. And then in 2018 and 2019, so, you know, the couple of years after these dumb things got mandated, um, the truck crashes around the state went up 50%. Keep in mind that this is during a time period when we were in a recession, and so there's less trucks moving, but the truck crashes are going up at the same time that these dumb e-logs are mandated. And then to top it off, when COVID hit, truck crashes went down because there were fewer trucks on the road um, and fewer, you know, fewer other vehicles on the road for the trucks to hit too. But the truck crashes during COVID were still higher than they were during your baseline years of 2015, 2016, 2017. And I mean, I, I look at that data and I say that is such a huge spike that I can't attribute that to anything more than the cotton picking federal government requiring us to use these darn e-logs. <laughs> it's good. We're, we're from the government. We're here to help. <clears throat> That's the bottom line. Uh, all right, uh, Rob, final thoughts here before I let you go this morning and get back on the road. Well, you know, I, I just ask people to, to keep watching the videos, keep sharing them out. Let's let's uh, let's change the conversation here. The, the the issues that we're facing in this state aren't just about declining oil production. They're not just about what are we doing with the dividends. You know, the, there's there's all these other problems that are all connected. And 
we have to look at the big picture, both to understand the, the, the actual problem, because, you know, that, that's the first step in solving the problem is admitting what the problem is, right? Um, but then also to understand really what the solution has to be. It's got to be this big, whole-encompassing thing. You know, going back to the fiscal policy working group where they said, you know, it can't be a piecemeal solution. It has to be done all at once, uh, all of these different moving pieces and parts, because that's how big the problem really is. All right. <clears throat> Rob Myers, thank you, my friend. As always, it's good to see you. Thanks for making technology work. We appreciate you. And we will uh, talk to you again uh, soon. We'll Maybe we'll get a recap next week of this new video. We'll see what it will. I, I can't wait to watch it. So <clears throat> thank you, Rob, for coming on board and be a part of it today. You bet. Have a good day, Michael. We'll catch you later. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Rob Myers, our guest here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, we are out of time for today. We got to uh, we got to we got to get out of here. Got stuff to do. Please like and share, like and follow, do all the stuff that uh, is important out there um, to share the show and get more people. Don't forget again, tomorrow is election day in the uh, Matsu borough. So go, go off with you. Make sure you get your voting done. Get it all put together. All right, folks, have a great day. Be kind, love one another, live well. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show